listening to Law and Gospel on this Thursday, January the 10th, in the year of our Lord 2019, which means it's a rumination Thursday. It's the first one in 2019 with Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Do you hear that there's some snow coming? Yeah, and it's the weekend I'm supposed to be preaching, too. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, how far do you have to travel? Uh, 45 miles one way. No, oh, that's easy. <laughs> I get out of St. Louis, and I have another 100 miles to go. <laughs> uh-huh. So I'll, I'll be leaving Saturday at noon. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I don't know. Is it supposed to come up in the Springfield area? Well, it's... Yeah, they're they're talking Springfield. I go to Havana for the weekend. Sure, on vacation. Well, blessings on your trip, but we're on a different trip right now. A real one. Yeah, a lot of people are really somewhat concerned about the number of youth that appear to be leaving the church, particularly millennials. And there was a very interesting survey done by the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod recently, and they did an excellent article in uh, the Concordia Seminary St. Louis's Concordia Journal. Mark Kiesling is the director of LCMS Youth Ministry, and he, what he did, he went ahead and did a survey of why youth are leaving the church and what maybe can be done about it. And um, any personal thoughts that you have to begin with? Well, I went back and I took a look. I mean, it's a very low statistical uh, sample that, that, that they had. But uh, I went through several for- formulas uh, on statistical sampling, and it does fit a pattern. So, you know, uh, why... You, you may quibble a little bit over some of the things that are said there. Uh, it's close enough that, uh, yeah, if you go into certain situations, you're going to find out that uh, they're really right on target. And in fact, some of those things I, that they come up with, I've even seen out there as a pastor in a congregation. Yes, I felt for a long time that in light of the horrible decisions by the Supreme Court of the United States, and I'm thinking specifically on abortion, homosexual marriage, and this kind of thing, there's a lot of people who think that once the government says something is legal, God therefore says something is moral. And that's not true at all, because it's very obvious that uh, a lot of the people who are leaving the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, do so on the basis of their thinking that they're closed-minded on social issues, namely homosexuality, gender issues, or ordination of women. Right, and... They made several what I thought were profound statements that uh, I think really key into why we see millennials going in the direction that they are. And that was 9-11 happened. Yes. The sex sex scandals in the church. And uh, the economic crisis, the meltdown that they had back in 2008, where the financial institutions and the stock markets just about virtually collapsed. There's those. And then the other one. The Internet, the Google, 
the youth have been able to get onto the internet and Google the questions that uh, that they get answers from their pastor or from their parents, and they say, "Well, the world's saying something different." Well, I think some are going to Google to get answers. Have you ever had an experience where pastors, even in confirmation, don't like answering questions? Oh, uh, I ran across this uh, about a year ago in in a uh, place where I work out in my fitness uh, center. A lady said that uh, she quit uh, Missouri Center because when she was uh, in eighth grade and went into confirmation, she was asking all kinds of questions, such as women's ordination. And she was told to be quiet or they wouldn't confirm her. Oh, my. No, yeah. I uh, when I do Bible studies, I love questions, uh, unless I don't know the answer. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, in fact, I would tell them that if I don't know the answer, I'll research it for you. That's right. That's right. That's what we need to do and such. But um, a congregation during a Bible study that will not answer questions they may have that impression that the pastor doesn't want to be interrupted or this sort of thing. And that's not really true, uh, at least in my situation. I know in yours also. We we love answering questions. Now, sometimes the answers may not be satisfactory. Uh, for example, the only reason we're against women or a nation is because God is. Right. You know, and we may not have a reasonable from a lot of people's understanding of reason why God is against that. But that's not my task to make God reasonable. It's my task to reveal what he has said, because most of what God says about the commandments, I I disagree with. Right. Oh, really? Don't we all? (laughs) Yes, because we then go ahead and sin. If we didn't disagree with it, we would never sin. Hence, really, in, a, in, a, in, a, in this epiphany season, we celebrate the baptism of Jesus. He became sin who knew no sin. He took on our sins through our, through our baptism. Yeah, that's going to be a big theme in this week's uh, sermons, I would hope, at a number of places. Although it's also the, what, second Sunday of Epiphany. And I was trying to check out just which were the readings. And somebody told me that the bulletin cover was Jesus being baptized. So that's what the readings, at least from Concordia Publishing House, are putting out. Well, that's the ones that I pulled off of Senate's website for the 13th. Yeah. So you're all set to do a good sermon. You'll show up, and the three people who are able to get to church will be there. <laughs> you, your wife, and maybe the custodian. <laughs> uh, they're pretty good up there. They they don't like to cancel even when there's a snowstorm. Yeah. Well, I've heard from two to three inches to five to eight inches, so who knows? Oh, oh we'll see. We'll see. So... After examining a number of reasons, and I I find it kind of interesting that uh, the big one, in my opinion, are the social issues that young people, especially going to college, are hearing the opposite of what the church is saying. But there's also uh, some who feel that, uh, at least I'm, I'm taking a look on page 27, some of the items that they do, they prefer contemporary worship. And uh, that's something that 
I, I think law and gospel is really helping our parents understand. I was examining what law and gospel does during the week, the, the program. On Monday, it's really kind of for pastors in preparing a sermon. We kind of go over that. But on Tuesday with Mark Smith, we try and teach parents how to help their children understand the hymn of the day that may be being sung that coming Sunday. On Wednesday, we're now doing Bible studies for congregations. And if you're not in a congregational Bible study, it's still good for you to hear it. Uh, Thursday, of course, is with you where we're kind of doing all these items. Friday is open mic where individuals can phone in on any question that they like. And then I have with issues, etc. on Tuesdays normally where we do the Sunday school lesson. There are a number of congregations, even though they have few children, may not have a Sunday school. And that's an opportunity Tuesday afternoon for parents to hear the meaning from a law gospel point of view of a Sunday school uh, episode so they can teach their children. Yeah, and I know of any number of parents that, that will drive 30, 40 miles to get their, their children to a Sunday school or, for that matter, to one of our Lutheran uh, elementary schools. Unfortunately, there are those who drive their kids to the Sunday school, and then they go out and eat donuts. <laughs> well, I They don't go I, to a Bible class. <laughs> I, yeah, I've seen that happen, but uh, uh, most typically, like I noticed up at Havana, the parents and grandparents are in Bible study if the kids are in Sunday school. I think a lot of people think that the number one individual that affects the faith lives of young people are, is the pastor. But on page 29, they say this. Numerous studies, including ours, show that parents are the number one people who affect the faith lives of young people or their children. And they indicated that those Young people who tend to stay in church are those where the parents brought them every Sunday to church and Sunday school. And I, I would most heartily agree with that. That, and I've seen that time and time again. That uh, the the ones that that are constantly there are parents with their children. And in fact, uh, yeah, it says that on twenty nine. Back on page twenty two, they said. Parents were the critical influence, but number two was the pastor, and number three were other church workers. Yes. Yes. Um, on 30, it says, when parents don't prioritize worship and congregational engagement, young people won't either. Right. And they have a list of things that are pretty helpful. I know my parents did this. Frequent Bible reading at home, praying as a family, regular church uh, worship attendance of both parents together and at least one parent having a service or leadership role in the congregation. I never thought about that, but my dad was not only at one time Sunday school superintendent, but also president of the congregation. Uh, I know of one congregation that I served. They found ways to incorporate the younger people into the, into the uh, church leadership. It was kind of interesting because uh, we had a uh, roughly a 35 to 36 year old 
chairman of the congregation, and they all kept saying that uh, he was rather young to be uh, leading the congregation at that age. Mm -hmm. But he had been trustee, he had been on the school board, he had been treasurer, he had been financial secretary, he had been the secretary of the congregation. The only place he hadn't done was that, and yet they said he was young. Yeah, there are some congregations you can't even be a voters if you're not 21 years old. Right. And yet you go into the Army when you're 18. Hmm. So that that's an area I did not do as well in. I, I was very fortunate. Uh, we had some um, young parents in the congregation that really helped me with the uh, young people. Steve Reardon, for example, is a, a pastor here in St. Louis, and he... I uh, had married my uh, Sunday school superintendent, and between the two of them, we had the best years of youth during that time. They were very involved with that, and of course, their own children became involved, therefore also, in kind of leadership roles in the congregation. But you're right, you know, and the article is correct. If if mom and dad are involved in church and going to church, and the, the children are, are are there as well. Yes. Now, when it came to ushering, my my son, uh, Philip, was an usher, etc. And um, it was important, therefore, to get them involved in various items. What other things could you imagine a church might do in putting young people in uh, leadership roles or having some part of the uh, functioning of the church? Well, I noticed, uh, for instance, up up at uh, Havana when we got ready to call for my replacement, uh, they involved the youth as part of the calling committee, that they could come and uh, give their input and and enter into the discussion of that. So it's involving them in various leadership roles in terms of that. Another parish I served is we developed a youth service, you know, right around Christmas time. And, uh, we, you know, I wrote the skits up and, and, uh, the service up and, and then, uh, let the youth, uh, kind of take over. Yes. We well. would do that with Sunday school children. Uh, we would pl- play, uh, once in Royal David city. And while those verses are being played, the children, Mary and Joseph, would come up first, and the shepherds, and the wise men, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, get them involved with that. And there were a lot of practices on that. Uh, occasionally, and I remember one uh, sermon, uh, Pastor Peter Krosky was with us. He was my, uh, we were co-pastors together. And we had the youth act out the gospel reading of the prodigal son. Right, we did it at Easter. Oh, you did? At Easter time, yeah, a couple, oh, about four or five years in there where we had youth services with, with the Easter and even talked about some of the things that uh, go on on Easter, why we have in the German the Green Thursday or Monday Thursday and why we did communion of the, of the initiates and, you know, just all kinds of explanations. Yes, it's always a kind of a good idea in confirmation. I would take the kids upstairs to the sanctuary and all the items there explain them. Mm. 
or particularly now with Christmas trees uh, in the churches I'm serving, they all had a Christmas tree and many items on the tree that were made by the members of the congregation. And it's always good to take a look at them and help the children understand what they signify and maybe a little bit of the history of how it came about that they were put on the tree. I remember one Bible class, adult Bible class, they brought the confirmands in uh, because the uh, Sunday school teacher was unable to make it that day and and blended them into my class. And we were talking about the Reformation. And one of the adults asked, what are indulgences and where did they come from? My confirmation class raised the hand and one of them gave about two to five minutes explanation of the history of indulgences and where they came from. This entirely blew away the rest of the adults. Yes. Yeah, this is why I've said uh, the Bible, I've been in the ministry a long time, have degrees behind my name, and I know about 30 to 40% of the Bible. I know some profs know 70% of it. Jesus knew 100%, but nobody ever gets to 100% this side of heaven. Oh, but, you know, the thing that uh, it just drove home is the kids are listening. Yes. The teens are listening to what, what we're saying and what we're telling them. Yeah. Um, one of the things that struck me is they were making a point that the youth kind of go through stages in their life where some things are really more important to deal with than others. One of the big ones is, of course, when they leave home to go to college. There needs to be uh, more of a communication between the congregation and the student away at college so that they don't get duped by much of the teaching that's occurring in colleges these days regarding uh, evolution, uh, homosexuality, etc., and uh, and there again, back to the internet. You know, we 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 talk about the problems that it has, but I I know of parents that have hooked their children back into their home congregation through the pastor's sermon and worship. For instance, up at Havana, they uh, videotape the service and they put it on the internet. Yes. In, in fact, they could have a ongoing conversation with the pastor. We try and do that with Open Mic Friday, where we don't take calls during the week. We want to get the information out. But perhaps on Friday, people are phoning in asking questions of what we said, or maybe something on their mind that they just haven't had a opportunity to talk to their pastor about. Yeah, I, I would agree to what you said earlier, that you really have designed law and gospel in such a way that we talk about the law and we talk about the gospel, but how do we talk about it amongst ourselves? Yes, we need to implement so that parents are getting something out of it, particularly in the raising of their children, because they need to understand, parents, that the devil is after them, and they're going to do all. The devil's going to do all kinds of things to try and move their minds away from Christian teaching to secular teaching uh, that's occurring in the world today. I have a question for you. I read through this material. It, it seemed to be, and, and, and it's a good article. So I, you know, but it r- raised a question in my mind about. They talk a lot more about horizontal relationship versus very little, I thought, or not enough on vertical relationship. 
Yes, particularly one of the areas that a lot of the youth want us to be involved in is mercy. That means the congregation is involved in the neighborhood somehow. Now, I really didn't do that much at the congregation I was at for 28 years. I wanted to attend city council meetings or get involved in things that were going on in the city. Well, what's your thinking about that? I agree. I, I agree that they, they should. Well, when I went to Havana, one of the things that I went to, they got a food pantry for for those that are less fortunate. Yes. And... Uh, Ours wasn't actively involved, and I asked, when are your low points? They gave me two low points during the year, and we started food drives. By the time I left, the the youth of the congregation had taken over one of the one of the times, which was right around Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we would always, on Super Bowl, bring a big television in, and the field workers would be there. Those are seminarians assigned to my congregation with their families and congregational members. And on Thanksgiving, we would give turkeys to people who were not members of the church if they indicated a need. And we would find that out from our members who knew them and this sort of thing. So there were ways in which you could expand into the neighborhood without getting involved in the politics of the city. Oh, absolutely. And we had gone from a dozen or so items up to five, six hundred items twice a year yeah i remember being there once doing a bible study and i took home six items (laughs) (laughs) yeah that popcorn was good (laughs) yeah no one congregation i think it was one you might have assigned me with uh, gave uh corn popping corn about Mm. boy 10 pounds <laughs> so we divided it up into containers and we're still using it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, he he was the manager for uh, one of the big popcorn places, and a number of our farmers grow popcorn. Well, one of the things too you could do with youth, uh, like right now, a lot of yards have leaves on them, and you could just send out. Uh, a group of people from the congregation with rakes knocking on doors saying, uh, if you don't mind, we like to rake the leaves and no cost. Uh, it's just the kind of thing that we want you to be aware of our church. And we would hope that you might uh, seriously consider coming over and visiting us and then rake the leaves up and put them in bags. And then those congregations that uh, refuse to come to your church after you rake them up, uh, keep the bags and then pour all the leaves back on their lawn. <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. No, we, I've had in some parishes where the youth have done that. Or the other thing that they sometimes do is uh, develop uh, caroling during the Christmas Boy, season. Boy, l- few congregations are doing that anymore. Yeah, uh, that was a staple 30 years ago. I mean, it is really difficult when it gets dark, and unfortunately, Christmas is at the darkest time of the year because yeah. it gets darker at right, four thirty, five o'clock, and a lot of people won't open their doors or this sort of thing, and so it's it's more difficult to do that. If you could do it during the daytime, like on a Saturday afternoon or something, that's possible. Well, I noticed that early on in ministry that uh, you you could you could show up unannounced. 
they kind of had an idea to where you had to call ahead to, to, to get a time in that they would open up your doors. And nursing homes generally became right. the, the first ones you went to because they bed them down. Oh, yeah, they, they love to have uh, young people singing carols at nursing homes. We did that on a regular basis also. So there are ways in which to incorporate the youth. But uh, the final thing to say is that those youth that tend to stay in the church are those whose parents attend weekly with the youth, the Sunday school Bible class and church services, and also do devotional items at home. And that gives the child just a way of thinking. I mean, when you were growing up, would you have ever said to your parents on a Sunday morning, I've decided I want to watch cartoons rather than go to church? <laughs> no. No, but it, it wouldn't even cross our minds. But it's, you bring up an important point centered around word and sacrament. That's right. It's centered around the word and the sacrament. And the more they hear about Jesus, the more they can get to love him and hopefully, therefore, battle against the things that they're her- hearing in public schools. Right. Well, well thanks so very much. Uh, next week, we'll continue with our Rumination Thursday. And anybody can call uh, tomorrow, Open Mic Friday, if you have any questions about what we've said or some suggestions for retaining youth in the church. Until tomorrow, then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.